Welcome back to the Interplast Insights podcast. My name's Dave Gray. I'm the head of content at Interplast Insights and British Plastics and Rubber. Uh, this week, I spoke to Andrea Wilson. Andrea is the director of Honol Precision, a specialist SME based in Leighton Buzzard, offering precision machining services in deep hole boring, deep hole drilling, CNC honing, and CNC turning. And she's got a team of 36 working with her. Now, Andrea spent over 25 years working to improve the awareness, recognition and image of the industry within the UK and has been active in influencing the government's approach and focus to ensure long term manufacturing strategic planning. She was chair of the Make UK Eastern Regional Advisory Board for over 10 years and continues to sit on the Make UK National Membership Board. She's a passionate campaigner for a dedicated commissioner for SME manufacturing, and this is what we wanted to talk about in our interview. So this hypothetical commissioner for SME manufacturing, they would be a person who would represent engineering and manufacturing within government. She says that her goal is to improve the knowledge of and support for SME businesses within government in the hope of changing the one size fits all approach. We talked about how campaign is going and why it's important and what the priorities for any potential future minister for manufacturing or commissioner for manufacturing, what those priorities need to be. Um, before you listen to the interview, I need to say that Andrea was on site at Honol when we recorded this and there was a gigantic drill in operation during our conversation, which can be heard pretty much wherever you are in the facility. Um, I tried to reduce the background noise as much as possible, but for the first 10 minutes or so, you can still pick the noise up. So um, apologies for that, but I think it adds authenticity and ambience. So hopefully it's not too distracting. Um, enjoy the interview. face of you're the you're the founder of um and this is the campaign um for a minister for manufacturing for the uk government so um just kick us off just tell us where the idea for this came from um basically you know i've been a director of a, a very small sme for the past 25 28 oh 30 years um and for 25 of those years i've basically been campaigning lobbying um, sitting on various panels, advisory boards, trying to change the way SMEs are perceived, supported, um, how skills issues are handled with SMEs, because the majority of, of, of these, these panels or advisory boards that you sit on, the larger companies are always the ones feeding in. Um, and that's unfortunately what then tends to get fed into government on a regular basis. So during COVID, I think we all had a little bit of extra time <laughs> um, and LinkedIn suddenly became this amazing tool for collaboration and communication. Um, we had such fabulous um, companies who'd always been in competition were working together, particularly on the ventilator challenge or sourcing PPE or looking for ways to how are they handling the, the, the COVID absences with staff. And it was a, an absolutely wonderful time in that sense for bringing UK engineering and manufacturing together. And one of the things that was really interesting about it was everybody was talking about the same issues and they were the same issues that we've been talking about five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Slight nuances, you know, indifferences, but, but generally the same issues. 
So it's how can we actually change this? We've been trying to do it this way for so long, but how can we actually get a voice? Um, so, you know, thinking back, you look at the TV programs, you, Alan Sugar was like a czar for a while. You had Heseltine as a trade minister for a while. Um, so it was, okay, we need a minister for manufacturing. We need somebody. I've been, or I was regional chair for the East of England for Make UK for over 10 years. And during that time, so many member companies have brought MPs into their factories, given them the tour, brought them into what we do, why we're so good at it, why the UK needs, the UK engineering and manufacturing industry needs what it does, which is not more support, it needs better support. It needs support that's more accessible and streamlined. Um, and within three months, six months, 12 months, another cabinet reshuffle happens and all that energy and all that work and all that buy-in is wasted. So we started this campaign for a minister for manufacturing. Hopefully somebody, you know, somebody would be in that post who would have a background in manufacturing or engineering, preferably with a focus or experience within an SME. Um, it then, we were then given a minister for industry. So Lee Rowley was appointed. Um, so the appetite for a minister for manufacturing sort of dwindled quite a little at that point, particularly from some of the bigger organizations that had sort of offered to support it. So having had a few conversations, we then sort of changed tack slightly to a commissioner for manufacturing, which in reality could actually work better for us because it's politically independent. Um, therefore, if government changes or ministers change, we still keep the same commissioner, hopefully as long as their policy stroke strategy is the same. Um, but funnily enough, we had, um, there's, a, there, there's sort of a little band of, of, of merry, merry, passionate supporters. And um, a few of us had a meeting with Bayes on Monday morning this week. And the impression that we got from that was that the minister idea might actually float better than the commissioner idea. Okay. So, so we tried to bring, um, start a petition <laughs> on change.org, uh, which, rookie mistake by me, it's the first time I've ever done this sort of thing. You know, I just try and run my business the best way I can, look after my people the best way I can, and try and support other manufacturing and engineering businesses with whatever information I can glean. Um, so I went on change.org. What I didn't realize, somebody commented then within the comments on there saying it won't be taken seriously by government because it's seen that it can be swayed. So we've taken a step back, we've regrouped, um, and basically we asked the LinkedIn audience what we should do. Should we start another gov.uk one, or should we try a different approach and simply go through the, 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 the ministerial lobbying, you know, civil servant type approach, or do we give up? Um, and the as much as there weren't that many votes on that particular poll, um, the overwhelming response and the messages were, you know, let's keep going. Um, it's 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 a marathon, not a sprint. Um, so we're going to launch another gov.uk web uh, petition, basically at the beginning of April. Cool. So yeah, we're I saw. Try it. <laughs> I, no, I saw on LinkedIn. I saw I saw that uh, that your post about the you know change.org maybe not being the best platform after all and. Um, yeah, I looked at the results of the poll you did, you know, how should we proceed? And as you say, it is overwhelming. People do want this. Um, and they do still want to carry on with the idea. So I think that's that's 
really good. Um, so let's say hypothetically a year from now, the UK gets its first ever um, commissioner, you know, uh, not commissioner for manufacturing, it gets its, its, its uh, first ever minister for manufacturing. And what would you put on that person's agenda for their first day? Okay, I would say a full review of the support systems. There is a wide plethora of support packages available, hundreds of millions of pounds worth of support available to businesses in engineering and manufacturing. The problem is the government haven't got the delivery vehicles right. Um, if you look at the Make UK report, Startup Scale Up, there's a very interesting chart in there that basically I think there's about 15 support schemes listed, of which only 13 scored that over 50% knew about. Uh, sorry, only two out of the 15 scored that over 50% knew about, and that was R&D, super deduction, R&D, tax credits, and super deduction. The rest of them helped to grow, you know, made smarter, digital, etc. SMEs weren't aware of them. And, and there's a massive gap, basically, between all the support that's being offered and the companies that actually need it and want it. Trying to locate it, trying to find out whether you will actually be, um, you know, whether it's you'll be accepted, whether you'll meet the requirements. And then even when you do find that support, you find that the support is so fragmented. So take our business, for example, going back a year, you know, we looked for some um, support for strategy and refocusing because as a team, we'd been quite fragmented because we couldn't meet during COVID. You know, the, the, our rooms are not massive, so we couldn't actually all be in one room and talk about our strategy. So we looked for some help. We could apply for five grand's worth of funding from Innovate UK. Um, some management training, we could have three grand's worth of funding from Cranfield. Each one needed administering. It needed applications. It needed due diligence. Um, and, and the amount of money absorbed from that support just in administering it is less than is actually delivered in terms of support. It's more than is delivered in terms of support. And, and, yeah, and you just, you just get to the point where you think, you, you look at a scheme such as sharing in growth, for example. Sharing in growth came out of Rolls-Royce. Um, the government then sort of backed it alongside. Now, that program is available to businesses with 10 million plus turnover. Thankfully, they're now trying to change that. So I'm, I, I tend to talk a lot, <laughs> as you'll soon find out, um, to a lot of people about what support's out there. And a, a, a colleague of mine on the Make UK board were, was basically telling me about sharing in growth. Um, he was not quite 10 million and we were only at 3 million, but I thought, do you know something? Let's apply. Worst case scenario, they turn me down. If they turn me down, then I'll go on LinkedIn and say, why is this amazing business transformation support package not available for small businesses? Why is it only available to those that actually have that resource already? Uh, and we got accepted. Now you look at that, one lot of due diligence, one lot of, of administrative requirements one team basically comes into your business. They then do the needs analysis, the strategy work. They look at where your strengths are, where your opportunities for growth and expansion are. 
and they can then pull from all these different sources for the for the tra business development training, for upskilling, for lean manufacturing, um, you know, digital transformation. There's, there's a huge amount that they can do from that one hub. And that's the type of package we now need for SMEs. We, we don't, trying to waste owner managers' times on applying for a thousand pound here and two thousand pound there. A, they haven't necessarily got the time to apply, but that's even if they're aware of it in the first place. So for me, the first thing would be a massive review of the support packages because we're wasting millions and millions of taxpayers' money. Um, and there's an awful lot of jobs being created for, for, for people who, you know, when we had manufacturing advisory service in the early days, it was government funded. The people who joined manufacturing advisory service and went into businesses were there to help business. The return on investment was 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 tremendous. You know, yeah. later on in the contract, it got it got put out to consultancy firms, and all of a sudden, you know, fees become much larger because it's a private enterprise. Of course, their fees are going to be larger. Do you think Do you think that um, other countries get this right? And that, do you think that it's more, um, you know, what you're talking about is a, a more centralised, more streamlined approach so that you, you can cut down on a lot of those administrative um, uh, processes that take up time and money. Do you think that other countries, industrial powerhouses like Germany, um, do you think that they have a better approach to this? I haven't experienced it because I've been desperate to go over and visit because I heard about the German system with the Mitchell stand. I might pronounce that incorrectly. Um, and I've been desperate to actually go and see and learn more about it. But of course, you know, the last couple of years we've been in, in very strange times. But from what I hear from colleagues who trade internationally and work with German partners and colleagues, they certainly seem to have a much better approach, support, way of collaborating within engineering and manufacturing. And let's be honest, in Germany, if you're an engineer, you're almost on the same stature as a doctor. So in this country, engineer, I think um, I think it was Lee um, at MCNC who posted about, you know, a washing machine engineer, you know, um, that engineers use for such a wide range of roles now, and not all of them are what you would call a qualified mechanical or electrical engineer yeah. Um, yeah. with a qualification behind. And, and we've almost diluted the definition of engineer, I think, in this country. Um, and that's why we struggle with the image and the, and the career opportunities being known to, to the youngsters coming through. Yeah, I, we talked a lot about this in the, in the last episode of the podcast. I spoke to Richard Brown, who... Um, is chairman of the Polymer Committee at the Worshipful Company of Horners. Um, so obviously slightly outside of, of, of your um, field, I guess. But he he was saying, you know, he made a very similar comment that um, you know, compared to countries like Germany, where an engineer is, you know, a highly respected profession, um, it's still we still haven't got the branding right around you know, what it, what it means to be an engineer and what it means to study um, engineering and get your qualifications. Um, and what opportunities are available. I mean, the wide variety of careers, you know, it, it's astounding within engineering and manufacturing. You know, everything from design, you know, all the way through to, 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 to accounts. 
you know, the, the pay grades within engineering and manufacturing are, are just so much higher than a lot of other careers, and yet nobody knows about it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the, the, the differences in the way that the factories are now, you know, you tend to see factories that are visited um, on the news and they always tend to be the more traditional industries, which we still need and there is a massive place for them. But, but they always seem to look at either the, 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 the really sort of older traditional type, you know, facilities or the very, very brand new for F1 type. But there's a whole range of us in between, you know. Um, I was involved in helping our local college set up a, a, what was going to be an engineering sort of hub here in Leighton Buzzard. Um, there was, they, they basically wanted it to be a joint engineering sort of construction centre. Um, and I remember at the very first meeting, one of the guys that they'd invited along that was on the same estate just went, why are we doing an engineering hub? We don't have any engineering or manufacturing in Leighton Buzzard. And I sort of stood there and went, are you kidding? Yeah, we've got companies that make aeroplane seats. We've got Lindel Valve, who are basically one of the biggest, if not the biggest, supplier of of um, aerosols in in the in the world, probably. You know, um, and they're just two. Never mind, you know, the variety of companies we've got doing fabulous balustrades and making wonderful balconies, like Balgard Engineering, for for, for prestigious buildings in the centre of London. You know, staircases that for art galleries and and you just sit there and go wow and these people go there's no engineering or manufacturing in our town but it's everywhere they just don't so i think one of the things you know um mcnc did a festival of british engineering and manufacturing last summer um, which was a massive feat and and a, and, a, and a great job they did during such testing times with covid um, and Make UK are doing a similar event this year. I think it's on the 7th of July this year, where they're basically trying to get people on board to open up their factories to the local schools, local colleges, local residents um, to come in, visit, understand what the businesses do, how they do it. Um, and I think if we can get this right, it could be a real game changer because we could expand it, you know, and, and have not just the Make UK members, but all engineering and manufacturing companies getting on board with something. Because mm. you know, as much as many people say the government need to help us change our image, they need to do this, they need to raise awareness, it's got to be down to us. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, as much as government can help in terms of the technical training, the skills, there are some amazing engineering and manufacturing technology centres that are around the country um, personally for me I'd much rather see a training and development tax credit um, I can't take the credit for that name um, it was brought up by somebody else but the idea was always there about you get R&D tax credits let's have a T&D tax credit where we can train internally on the machines that we use we can bring in somebody and, and then the college tutors could come actually make sure that we're doing what we need to do and sign it off in order for us to qualify just like HMRC audit our R&D tax credit, you know. And I think it'd be a, such a better use of funding, you know, because the colleges can't, they haven't got the money to buy the equipment, you know, they haven't, then when they buy the equipment, and another company in their area will say, well, it's not the equipment we use. Yeah. It's, it's just a, a, a losing battle. I think that's right, and I think that's why it is so important that we, within manufacturing, are setting the agenda 
um, and and for government and kind of you know bringing to light these these requirements um, that we have. Um, I'll, I'll wrap this up, but the the plastics industry has its uh, in the UK has its uh, sort of trade association, which is the British Plastics Federation, and, and most industries um, have some kind of most of the major industries have some kind of um, presence within the works with government. Um, would, what kind of support do you need from those trade associations across manufacturing? Well, that, that's basically um, my Thursday post this week. We'll be um, saying that the first thing we're going to do is I'm taking two weeks off because I'm going on, on holiday, which is my delayed honeymoon. Um, Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. COVID, COVID kept delaying things. So um, basically, we're going early April, we're going to be launching the new petition. But between now and then, um, some of the other supporters are going to be speaking to the trade associations to see if they'll get on board with this and share the news of the petition to their members. Once we can start sort of trying to gain that traction and that momentum, because a lot of the supporters we had in the early days um, have, have struggled to contribute the way they once did because business has got very busy. Just because business gets busy doesn't mean we've got to stop fighting for change because at the end of the day, we're still facing the same issues, whether we're quiet or we're busy, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, think, and things. I think coming back to your original point, you know, one of the COVID, it was, it, COVID is a tragedy, of course, but it's shown us in so many different ways as a society um, how, how differently we can work when we're forced to and um, how collaboration is doesn't have to just be a buzzword that you say it it actually means something as you, as you say um ventilators you know are a perfect example of that but um it's so good to see um that you're keeping the momentum up and keeping the momentum behind that now that we're hopefully coming um out on the good side of the pandemic um it's a challenge it's a challenge finding the time you know there's there's a lot of time at home spent doing this and writing the posts for thursday to make sure they're ready for 10 o'clock thursday morning because we do tend to find that at least that way people keep an eye out around that time to try and keep that support going but we do need people to join we do need people to help us we do need people to share the post support what we're trying to do because we have very simple that support UK man support UK manufacturing sort of um, you know key points are skills. You know it's it's basically getting the skills where we need them when we need them and starting that that introduction to engineering and manufacturing from a much younger age with brilliant schemes like primary engineer. Um, you know Susan Scarlock does an amazing job with that taking uh, you know uh, engineering packs into schools but again it's all privately funded it's sponsored you know leveling up leveling up's not just geographical we need to level up in terms of the fairness between oems and, uh, and smes or the very very big players and smes um you know, the green agenda we want to all be green but smes have a much diff more difficult journey to become green because a they don't have the resource to basically put a full-time employee on investigating everything you know so there is support out there but we need it to be in a simplistic project driven way you know um in terms of you know support tax breaks we're not asking for more tax breaks but the super deduction let's keep it there you know it's 
it's been proven to be a good investment incentive. So let's keep it, you know. At the end of the day, we only get it if we're investing. So this Minister for Manufacturing is going to have a, um, a massive to-do list when they start <laughs> in their post. But um, no, that's fantastic. Thanks, Andrea. And um, really enjoyed talking to you today. Well, there you go. Many thanks again to Andrea for making time to talk with me. If you want to get involved in the uh, campaign to install a commissioner or a minister for manufacturing, um, follow and the best way, the best thing to do now is follow Andrea on LinkedIn. You can search just search in Andrea Wilson, um, and you'll find her. Um, so yeah, thanks again, Andrea, for chatting to me. Really great to hear what you had to say. Uh, stay tuned for the next episode of the Interplast Insights podcast. If you want to watch my interview with Andrea, it's all available on our YouTube channel. Uh, just search Interplast on YouTube, or if you head to interplastinsights.com, you can watch it there as well. Uh, until next time, have a great week.